Welcome to the Think Generation of Wealth podcast, episode number 56. And I am your host, Amir Estimo. In today's episode, we will be talking about cryptocurrency. Actually, I'm going to share a recording from a gentleman I've been following by the name of Dr. Hans Boateng, who is a professional and expert when it comes to investing and also cryptocurrency. So for these next couple of podcast episodes, we will be diving into this revelation called cryptocurrency. I know a lot of us, even for me, we are not 100% educated or even know what cryptocurrency is. I've actually invested into Bitcoin. I have a couple of other coins that I've invested in. Bitcoin, as you can see, beginning of the year, Bitcoin was going up. Then probably the last two to three, maybe four months, it went down. Then now it's going back up. So if you have some money in Bitcoin, you you are probably really killing it right now because the market is high. The U.S. is trying as much as they can to start to start to to be able to control this asset class because right now it's very young. People are getting rich and obviously the government's going on a piece of their pie. So I want to share this recording with you for episode 56. So if you want, you can stop, play this, but I would highly encourage you to listen, to educate, to even learn about what is Bitcoin, what is cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is cryptocurrency, just another form of crypto. We have all sorts of cryptocurrencies that are out there. So as you listen to this podcast, it's I'm going to tell you right now, it is a very lengthy podcast. It's probably an hour. So if you want, you could probably put it on pause, listen to it later. But I would highly advise, I would highly recommend to listen to this podcast. You'll find a lot of nuggets. So if you don't know about cryptocurrency, you can really get some, at least some education, because that's just another form for you to build wealth. So I will go ahead and begin this recording. First of all, please help a brother out, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast if you enjoy this content. I do appreciate anyone that takes the time to listen to this podcast because you could be doing anything in this world. But the fact that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast is much appreciated. So I hope to bring you value. I hope you learned something from this. So now let's go ahead and get this recording started. Hands on the line with us right now, and he is an expert when it comes to investing, when it comes to cryptocurrency, and there's so many gems that he's about to drop right now on this episode. So it's just fortunate to have him, and we just want to say thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you both for having me. Just super excited to have this dialogue. Love the work that you do. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, so let's get right into it. I want to know more about the your background and you know just your story to where you actually um, the journey that took you to where you are today. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Ghana, West Africa, and in Ghana I grew up in an upper middle class household. But then when we moved to the U.S., we moved from you know upper middle class to bottom pretty much bottom 25%. So to kind of uh, give, to paint the picture of what that looks like in Ghana, going to school, I had like my own, uh, you know, driver back home. In terms of video games, when I was young, I had all of the systems like PS1, PS2, PS3, right? And then um, contrast that with arriving in Bronx, New York, and life started by splitting an apartment with, you know, another family. So literally, you know, me, my mom, sister, we're, we're like in one bed, uh, one uh, like apartment, and the other family is in, a, is in another. That's, that's a typical lifestyle of, you know, African immigrants when they begin kind of life abroad. And this transition, or if I should say, the reason we went from upper middle class to bottom 25% is because of the currency conversion, right? In, in, in Ghana, you'd need the equivalent of five cities 
to equate a dollar. So if you had that five cities in Ghana, it's, it's almost like having five dollars. But then you come to the U.S. and you're, you're losing that exchange rate, right? That's one of the things that I love about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and I know we'll talk about that. But, um, you know, uh, 0.01 Bitcoin in Ghana is the same as 0.01 Bitcoin in the U.S. is the same as 0.01 Bitcoin in Europe, and it's the same as 0.01 Bitcoin in Australia, right? There's that equality. So... You know, but coming back to kind of like my story, so then um, Bronx, New York, I went to community college. My mom wanted me to be a doctor. So then I went to University of Buffalo to study pharmacy. And during my time studying pharmacy, a friend of mine introduced me to this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was the first time that I got exposed to what's called investing and entrepreneurship. And to be honest, it blew my mind. The fact that you could put money into something and that thing grows over time. And even while you're not working, it is building you wealth. I was like, why didn't someone tell me about this? Like, you would think that if there's a way to grow money without you doing anything, that people will talk about it. But for some reason, it was never discussed in my family, in you know, my community. So I was shocked when I discovered that I started to read as much as I could on the topic of investing. So I went on, I've read over 400 books. I've read over 40,000 financial articles, journals, and reports. And I launched my business, The Investing Tutor, in 2016. And the focus of that is to help underrepresented groups, so minorities, millennials, women, um, immigrants, understand the, the financial system, specifically how to build wealth, so that we can break free from, you know, like the racial wealth gap. We can build wealth, leave a legacy, and not just have this system that other people are taking advantage of, but we aren't. So what do you think about XRP, XOM versus Bitcoin? Because, I mean, those just seem to be the main game changers when it comes to currency conversion versus the the, the slowness, the, the, I just, it, the, the, the technology is so much better. So, so why, why Bitcoin versus those two? Okay, so XRP, I know is Ripple, but what's the crypto behind XOM? What's the currency? The guy that um, used to, one of, one of the guys that used to work for XRP left XRP or Ripple and then went to uh, XLM and created that one. So what's the name of the XLM token? Stellar. Stellar. Stellar, okay. So Stellar. So I believe um, that individual um, was running like a startup um, incubator in, in in New York or something, but okay, coming back. Now, the reason why I didn't know like the ticker symbol XLM is because, and I love that you asked this question, for individuals who are onboarding into crypto or for individuals who are coming into the crypto space, you have to understand that, that there's one decentralized cryptocurrency. The way that I like to explain this is, typically when it comes to tech, there's going to be like one company or you know one key player that captures most of the market, right? So for example, e-commerce, Amazon came in and has taken the bulk share of the market. It doesn't mean there aren't other e-commerce players, but one company organization will take, you know, kind of like most of the market, right? social media, Facebook came in to most of the market. So when we look at the crypto market, just based on the trajectory that we're seeing, Bitcoin is going to continue to be until there's a better decentralized cryptocurrency. It is going to continue to follow that adoption curve and end up being the main key crypto winner, if you will. Bitcoin is decentralized. We don't know who created it, so there isn't a single choke point, right? The SEC can, cannot send, uh, you know, a loss to, to who are they sending 
threatening to sue when it comes to Bitcoin. Does that make sense? Ripple, you're able to know the founder of Ripple, Stellar. You're able to know the, the, the founder or the group that's working on Stellar. So if there was enforcement, they can target that organization or that individual. So that becomes a choke point. Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency where there's no organization. There is no CEO. There's no foundation. It is a community effort to build and maintain this crypto asset or crypto token or cryptocurrency. That is why typically when it comes to cryptocurrency investing, I mainly only talk about Bitcoin for individuals who are new to crypto. Beyond Bitcoin, the only other cryptocurrency that you'd see me talk about is Ethereum, right? And we can kind of, you know, dive into that. But it doesn't mean that I'm against investing in Ripple or Stellar or Polygon or Chainlink or Aave or Compound. You know, the list goes on and on. No, I'm not against them. It's just that when an individual is setting up like an allocation to invest in crypto, right? The way you should be thinking about this, and obviously with the caveat that this is just my opinion and it's for educational purposes, 60% should be allocated. And I'm talking about only a crypto allocation, right? So I'm not talking about how do you divvy up your money between stocks and crypto. Let's say that you've taken money specifically only for crypto. So you have 100% of funds that you're putting into crypto. 60%, in my opinion, should go to Bitcoin. 35% should go to Ethereum. The remaining 5%, you can divvy up into other tokens, right? So going back to the start of our conversation, you can put some in XRP if you want. You can put some in um, Stellar if you want. You can put some in Chainlink. You can put Polygon. There are so many other tokens. The beauty of that kind of structure is because those, um, let's call them small cap tokens, right? Because they are smaller in size. They, if they are successful or they potentially become competitors of Bitcoin or Ethereum, their growth would would, would take that 5% allocation possibly to like 50% or 80% because of the exponential growth that they have. So an individual doesn't need to be overexposed to those small tokens to be able to see their portfolio increase exponentially in, in growth. But at the same time, that 60% allocation to Bitcoin, which is the main core dominant cryptocurrency, which it's well understood that there's no threat in terms of like a central point to stop. An individual wants to be, you know, exposed to that crypto, right? Now, obviously with Ethereum, with DeFi and NFTs and God knows what other applications or use cases that are gonna come in the future, that 35% allocation, in my opinion, is reasonable. I, I hope I answered the question. What I'm gathering is that what you're saying is the attraction or the value of Bitcoin is in the decentralization. It's not the use case. It's not. It's just simply decentralization is what sets Bitcoin apart from all of the other 11,000 cryptocurrencies, right? So now, obviously, with use cases, you know, I'll say you know maybe a dozen of the other cryptos are trying to do something better than Bitcoin. But the weakness is that most of them have some kind of centralized authority, which becomes a threat. Um, so you talked a little bit about Ethereum. Can you talk about why you're bullish with Ethereum as well? And price yeah. target, price target. <laughs> so when we think about kind of like, um, you know, Bitcoin, right, and Ethereum, I always view it as, let's say Bitcoin is at, you know, give and take. Let's say Bitcoin gets to 100K, which is my general price target for December through March, you know, 100K. I've seen some estimates of 200,000, but even if we do, um, you know, blow out into the 200,000, 
$1,000 price point, we could see a pullback to about the 100K range eventually, right? So I'm just kind of settling at about 100K for, for, um, for Bitcoin. If that's the case, I believe that we should see about give and take about a $10,000 Ethereum price point. So generally, you know, whatever, and I'm not saying this follows exactly, but generally, whatever Ethereum is, if you multiply that price point by, um, by 10, you should get like kind of like the Bitcoin price, assuming that it's moving in lockstep. And once again, it's not that it follows exactly the same. Right. Like, for example, when we hit a top of about sixty thousand dollars for uh, for Bitcoin around April, I believe the Ethereum price was roughly about five thousand dollars per coin or maybe forty eight hundred. So it wasn't that Ethereum got to six thousand, but it was pretty close. Right. So if we do get to about a hundred thousand dollar price point, we could see a ten thousand uh, dollar Ethereum price. Why am I? Um, I guess the term is bullish on ETH, or why am I allocated to ETH? Ethereum's market cap, which means the value of you know the crypto asset, is about half of Bitcoin. So generally, you know, um, Bitcoin is roughly about one trillion. ETH, ETH right now is about four hundred you know, billion dollars, right? But let's just estimate that ETH is half of Bitcoin. So let's say ETH is about five hundred billion. So what that means is that if Ethereum is following the trajectory of Bitcoin, and Ethereum is a potential competitor of Bitcoin, then it means that Ethereum should eventually be worth as much as Bitcoin, right? if it wants to kind of like compete head to head, right? Or it could overtake it if it is better than Bitcoin. So if I have a 30% allocation to ETH or 35% allocation, assuming Ethereum really does what it's supposed to do, realistically, I should see double of that value, right? For it to match Bitcoin. And then I should see consistent growth over time just based on kind of like that thought process, right? Ethereum is almost like an app store for individuals who are not into crypto. I want you to think of Ethereum as like um, an app store or a platform upon which applications can be built. When those applications are built on top of Ethereum, for them to be able to run, they need to pay fees in the ETH token, right? So it's like there's this platform that allows other cryptos to be created. So then that's why we have NFTs. That's why we have decentralized finance, which is DeFi. And as all of those different applications are working, they need the Ethereum token, which is ETH, to be able to run their transactions. So indirectly, the app, which is Ethereum, if I can call it that, is, is causing a demand for the Ethereum tokens. So as more people use applications that are built on top of Ethereum, they will need Ethereum to be able to use those applications. So there's this flywheel which causes further demand for Ethereum, right? So that is why I'm bullish on ETH. It's, it's creating the platform upon which other crypto tokens, other crypto assets, crypto projects are all built, even, you know, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Because Ethereum set out to be everything for crypto, and Bitcoin set out to be the digital cash or the digital gold of crypto. I just find it so fascinating. Where do you see the future of NFTs? Oh man, NFTs is just getting started. Um, I believe it said that in Q3, um, the NFT market saw $10 billion worth of sales. To put that into context, when we started this year, somewhere in February, the NFT market had about maybe, you know, 
$300 million worth of sales at the beginning of the year. So think about, take that into context. And in August, there were $3 billion worth of transactions. So estimates show that the, you know, artwork market, you know, physical art collection and all of that is worth over $100 billion. I, I believe a decent amount of that, and I believe even more, we're going to have, you know, an NFT market. Obviously, NFTs is not only going to power art, right? NFTs literally, and for those who are hearing the term for the first time, NFT stands for non-fungible token, which is essentially a special token that assigns ownership of whatever that token token is backing, right? So for example, if um, a person creates artwork and tokenizes it, if you own the token, you own the artwork, right? So let's say in the future, you know, they decide to tokenize real estate. What that means is, let's say you live in a house right now, right? Instead of, you know, signing paperwork and, and all of that, you just buy the token for the house and you become the sole owner. That's an NFT. It's literally a special token that designates you as the owner of whatever property it is. So then NF, the NFT market, in all honesty, is limitless. It is huge because you can literally tokenize anything, right? Anything that you believe someone wants to, wants to authenticate and know that I am the true owner of that thing, you can create an NFT for it. So that when you are buying and selling that thing or you know, selling it between people, even think, think about cars. Let's say you own a car. Well, sure, you have to go to the DMV and sign paperwork. It's just so complicated. What if you own a, you know, a crypto wallet and when you get a loan for a car or when you buy your car, all it does is it transfers that token from the dealership onto your, onto your phone, which is your wallet, and it means you own it. And you are the only one who can resell that car. It is incredibly powerful. And let's say you took out a loan. Well, then the token is going to what? The, the lien holder, not to you. And once you've paid off the card, then the lien holder sends you the token to designate that you have the right to be able to resell the car. So the NFT market is going to be huge. And I think we're just scratching the surface at about $10 billion in terms of transactions. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm also very bullish on Ethereum as well. Like you, because you need Ethereum essentially for the NFTs. Um, and yeah, I just see it, like you said, like it's like limitless at this point where that could go. But I want to kind of talk about, like, because we, we, we're getting, we got technical real fast, and I, and I apologize, but I, I was very, very excited for, for it to, you know, I, I wanted to pick your brain. All right, so, let, so let's just say, you know, this is somebody who just wants to get, you know, touch your level, you know, try to try, try to know as much about crypto and investment as you like. So what, 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 and they're not going to read 400 books. <laughs> so, so give them four, give them four books. <laughs> yeah. What's a, what's a couple of books. And then like the article, cause I, I can't even say that I, I read any like articles. Like what, what articles would you recommend people start reading as well? Yeah. Um, oh my God. So let's first start out with, um, the, the books. So then, the number one book that everyone needs to read is obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But even before you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, go read Richest Man in Babylon. Okay, so Richest Man in Babylon. Absolutely important. And with that book, just read chapters two through five. That's it. And I believe there are even copies online. Literally, you can Google um, because it's such an old book that some websites have the, um, the legal authority to be able to share that book because it's so old, right? So Richest Man in Babylon. If you're listening to this, if I were you, I'd even read it today. It is a life-changing book. If a person only read that book, only that book, 
I believe that individual will be able to build wealth over their lifetime if they follow the very simple principles that's laid out in, in that book. So rich that excuse me, richest man in Babylon, number two, rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. And then the third, I would read Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon. Napoleon Hill, absolutely important. Now, the fourth book, if I were to just throw in kind of like a, a, a crypto book, I would um, pick this book. Give me a second, it's right here. Um, do, 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 do. Yes, The Bitcoin Standard. The Bitcoin Standard. That is a phenomenal book that um, individuals uh, should, should look into, the Bitcoin standard. So those are uh, the, the, the four books. And one more, and add one more. So one just on investing, right? Because on, okay. you have one for Bitcoin, but yes. just strictly for investing. No, it's, it's such a fascinating... Um, okay, then let's go with a book by Peter Lynch. Um, it's One Up Wall Street. I'd say that is a pretty decent book that gives some individuals this understanding that you know stock investing is not necessarily complicated. It, it all boils down to you identifying companies that you love, you utilize yourself, and just that understanding could build a person a tremendous amount of wealth. Of it. And then for publications, journal articles, like where, where's a good source for people to go to? Yeah, I'm not getting into that. Like, man, I got, I got it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you could do me a favor, if you have access to Google, um, Google Michael Saylor. And for those who are listening, uh, Saylor is spelled S-A-Y-L-O-R. So Google Michael Saylor. He has this website that literally has all you know all the research all the articles on like bitcoin and cryptocurrency it's it's absolutely phenomenal i believe the website is either like freedom.com or something I, I like i'm forgetting but when you google do, where, did you see anything pop up michael saylor i'm doing it right now now i can also take a look on my end because that website is filled with a ton of value is it uh, MicroStrategy.com? The MicroStrategy is his main company. Uh, Give me just a second. Okay. Hope.com. That's the website. So you see I said freedom.com. So hope.com. That's the website. It has all of the articles, all of the podcasts, all of the videos and documentaries. Hope.com. Yeah, it, oh my gosh, such a phenomenal resource. But that is for crypto. So um, if I were to think about one for kind of like a, you know, stock market, I'd say individuals should, should start to utilize. It depends on how in-depth they want to get. If you kind of want to um, be at the level that's really simple, then look into Yahoo Finance or CNBC to just read articles on a day-to-day -day basis. If you want to get in-depth, right, then you can look at um, Bloomberg, Financial Times, or Goldman Sachs. Most people don't know this, but on a day-to-day -day basis during the week, Goldman Sachs publishes um, like a it's, you know, well, obviously they publish different reports, but they publish like a, ten, a seven to 10 minute video, which is a deep dive into, it could be into like this sector or this type of emerging um, trend. It's so, it's, it's really technical, meaning that they are not just looking at, you know, things that are light, but like it's in-depth analysis. So it's mainly for individuals who are truly passionate about wanting to learn. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for those resources. I think, you know, it's always good. Um, Rich that poor dad, excellent choice. Rich in Babylon, I think that's a vital book. And, you know, the classic Think and Grow Rich, you know, uh, is another one. So, yeah, that's that's perfect. So I wanted to just pivot a little bit and kind of talk about how you're actually helping people build wealth and how are you uh, teaching them 
Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and what you learned while teaching others who may not know anything at all about investing? Yeah. So in 2016, a friend of mine came to me literally in tears. And she said that she felt like her life was ruined. And I asked her why. She said it's because she has student loans. It's a lot. And she can barely even afford anything. She had just, um, her boyfriend at that time had just proposed to her. And she was like, I don't think we can even get married because of my student loans. So I was, I was just kind of taken back because I was like, oh my gosh, how much do you owe, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, I owe a lot of money. I was like, how much? She's like, $40,000. And I burst out laughing. I was like, are you serious? 40K? And I was like, nothing. Uh, compared to someone who went to pharmacy school and did an MBA, I mean, 40K is like nothing. So then what I did was I told her that what you don't understand is that a student loan is literally, assuming you went for a degree that does provide a job, it's the best debt that you can ever have in your life. And here's why. A federal student loan has a ton of flexibilities. And I broke that down to this individual. They, this individual, they understood that there are different repayment options that they can select. Plus, there's an opportunity to even get into programs that guarantee loan forgiveness. And anyone and everyone qualifies for these loan forgiveness programs. So seeing me share that with this individual and then, oh my gosh, six months later, um, this couple purchased their house. I kid you not. They purchased the house. So this person was literally in tears. Six months later, they purchased their dream home. A year later, they got married, had a beautiful wedding. And I realized in that moment how the right information could literally transform a person's life. Right. So then I began because of that inspiration. And also a, friend, a few friends of mine came up to me and said, hey, Hans, what is a stock? And my company wants me to put money in a 401k. Those thieves, they want to steal my money. And, and I was like, wait, what are you talking about? That is yours. It, they, are not taking, they are not trying to take your money. It is you building wealth. So when I saw that, I was like, man, who is teaching people in our community about these different investment vehicles and opportunities and how to manage debt and not to be scared of debt like you're brainwashed to feel, right? Because the wealthiest individuals are all taking on debt to accelerate and grow their businesses. And meanwhile, people are being told, hey, never borrow money. And I'm like, wait, do you? Anyways, you can tell I'm, I was like just so frustrated. So it's like, who is educating people in our community? And when I looked closely, I really didn't see many people. I went to Google and I searched investing tutor because for me, a tutor is someone who simplifies the topic of investing. So I just assumed that there would be investment tutors out there. There was none in 2016. So I said to create one. So I literally, after that Google search, went and incorporated the name investing tutor. And I just started to educate on Instagram, leveraging social media channels like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, just putting out content, letting people learn and know. And I'm telling them to share their information, right? Because I realized that even the smallest basic change in the way that we manage our money, whether it's just getting a 401k or beginning to invest in companies that we love and understand that we believe have a future, right? Companies like Tesla, Airbnb, you know, and so many others. Once we realize that investing is not that complicated, you, you begin to see people, you know, begin to breathe in this, um, this sigh of relief that it's possible. Now, let me transition into, in 20. 17 was when I got exposed to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I'll, I'll be honest and I'll tell you this. The first time I encountered it, I said it was a scam, right? Any and everyone who encounters it for the first time, that is literally going to be your gut reaction because you don't understand what this is. It is moving up and down. It seems like hype. But once you 
sit down, like literally once you grab a seat and sit down and educate yourself, that's when you realize that, whoa, this thing is going to one, build wealth for people in our community, and we need to be ahead of this. We're always late to everything, always late. The internet, we were buying the, you know, T-Mobile sidekicks. I remember buying one. We were literally buying the consumer goods, buying the iPhones, forming the long lines outside the mall. I was in the line. At that time in 2007, eight, nine, I wasn't buying any stock, okay? I was just buying the products. And we missed the amount of wealth that was just raked into the pockets of, you know, these Wall Street people. And guess what? In 2017, I kept saying Bitcoin is a scam. And then Peter Thiel, the person who created PayPal, invested in Facebook and all of those tech companies, he was putting billions of dollars into, into Bitcoin. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? How can this person be putting billions of dollars into something that I think is a scam? So I went to go dig in and research. I've been researching Bitcoin and crypto as an ecosystem or as you know this new asset class for the past four years. It is nothing even close to a scam. And I know we're kind of limited on time, so I don't want to go deep into what it is and what it's looking to do. Just take my word for it. Bitcoin cryptocurrency is literally allowing any and everyone anywhere in the world to be able to transact with each other. It is literally layering on top of the internet an opportunity for us to transfer something of value similar to the way that we can transfer text messages with, with each other or send photos to each other. Bitcoin is just a protocol that allows us to be able to transfer something of value. As Americans, we don't realize how important that is because we have PayPal, we have Cash App, we have Venmo, and we have Zelle. What about the people in Africa, right? They don't have Cash App. They can't transfer money just like that. Bitcoin is an open global payment system that literally connects the entire world. So a, you know, a little girl who is, is an artist in, in, in a village in Africa can sell their painting for literally, let's just say $100. It doesn't mean anything to you and, you and I. That is probably like three months worth of food for that individual. It is going to trans, it's going to uplift individuals out of poverty. It is going to connect the entire global system. It's going to remove discrimination from the financial system because you cannot discriminate when technology is involved. It is going to build, there's going to be this transfer of wealth because we're going to have to move all of the, well, I shouldn't say all of, but most of the fiat currencies that we have will have to move into cryptocurrencies for you to be able to interact with the crypto world. And that movement in, in dollars into crypto is what's going to drive tremendous value and asset appreciation. That's why I'm just optimistic about you know, this asset class. I hope I didn't talk, talk for too long, but yeah, I'm just so, so, so bullish and I don't want us to miss out on this. It's, it's, it's definitely true. Like, you know, the internet uh, democratized information and cryptocurrency is going to democratize building wealth. So um, I definitely agree with that. Um, lastly, I know uh, as we wrap up, um, just a question that I have, and then we, we uh, finish with our last question that we ask every guest. But for people who want to take action today, right, after they read, read the books that you reference, like what are the next steps for them just to, you know, get ownership of just investing and, and taking advantage of it. What's that very next step after reading, reading and getting educated? Yeah, literally I'll pick up my phone. Um, if you have an app that gives you exposure to crypto, you know, uh, that app can be Coinbase. It can be the Black Wall Street app. It could be Cash App. It could be PayPal. It could be Robinhood. In all honesty, once you have a secure 
platform that allows you to buy Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. If it were me, the first thing that I would do, it's not advice, is I would ask myself, how much can I afford to buy of this digital assets right now? Not tomorrow, not next week, now. How much can I afford to buy? So let's say, for example, I had $1,000 sitting in, in, in my you know, checking account, right? I'm just generalizing here. And I say to myself, well, I'm comfortable putting $100 right now, so 10% of that into, into Bitcoin. I'll immediately go and buy it. Or maybe someone else would say, I'm comfortable putting $10 in. Go buy the $10. Here's the beauty of buying or having some exposure to the asset. Once you have it, you're going to be begin to pay attention. Anytime you hear anything about Bitcoin, you're like, oh my gosh, I need to know about that. And as you learn more, it's going to deepen your conviction for the asset and you're going to realize how life-changing it is. So that's the very first thing that I would do. Second thing that I would do is uh, begin to educate myself about uh, the stock markets uh, because crypto is, is extremely volatile. I believe that there's a 99% chance that Bitcoin is successful. The reason I say 99% is I cannot come here and tell you that there's 100% certainty it's going to be successful. If I knew with 100% certainty, I'll put all of my entire assets and, and, and cash flow into Bitcoin, but I don't do that, right? I, I put a significant amount into Bitcoin and crypto, but I don't put everything. Now, so allocate some money to Bitcoin. Second, diversify by having exposure to the stock market as well. For stocks, obviously, it can be a little bit complicated, but what I'd ask you to do is grab your phone, Go into um, you know the apps that you look at on a week-to-week -week basis. In in the iPhone, I believe it's like you know you look at your usage time, and below that there's like a list of apps. Those apps, you're going to notice that one of them is attached to a company that you can invest in. Pick a company and go invest in. So if the app tells you that you're constantly on Instagram and Facebook, maybe you go invest in Facebook. If the app says you are constantly using the Zoom app, go invest in Zoom. If you're constantly on Spotify, go buy Spotify stock, right? And please know you don't need to have the exact dollar amount of what the stock is worth or what Bitcoin is worth. You can begin investing with as little or as much as you want. So those are the first action steps that I'll take. And if you're wondering where you can invest specifically with stocks, you have a ton of options. There's Robinhood, there's Public, there's Cash App, there's Charles Schwab, there's Fidelity, there's SoFi Invest. I can go on and on. There's Stash, so many different options. So that is what you should do. And in my opinion, with regards to kind of like the crypto Bitcoin thing, if you feel like, hey, this is something that you believe there's a future for it, that, in my opinion, is like something that individuals, I, I mean, I tell all of my family have exposure to Bitcoin. And by family, I'm talking about extended family, have exposure to Bitcoin, have exposure to the assets. Because if Bitcoin gets to where it's meant to get to, we could see Bitcoin worth as much as $5 million per coin. Now, on a conservative estimate, Bitcoin could be as much as $1 million. Let me explain why. The total value of gold in circulation is about $10 trillion. Typically, when we are talking about Bitcoin, they say Bitcoin is digital gold, right? Well, if something is a digital version of another thing, then clearly that thing should, one, take over the value of that old asset, right? That's common sense. So that means Bitcoin is going to go from 1 trillion to 10 trillion. Bitcoin right now at 1 trillion is worth about $55,000, okay? So if it goes from 1 trillion to 10 trillion, that means that Bitcoin would be worth about $550,000. Let's just say $500,000. But I believe that not only is Bitcoin gonna just, you know, catch up to the value of gold, I believe Bitcoin's properties is 10 times better than gold. 
So instead of Bitcoin just catching up to gold, I believe that Bitcoin on a conservative end could be worth double what gold is worth. So then at least, in my opinion, it should be worth 20 trillion. That means we can see Bitcoin go from dollars $55,000 as it is today to a little over $1 million. That is a 20x growth from here. To put that into context, whatever amount of money that I'm investing in Bitcoin today, I'm anticipating a 20x growth if it gets to that you know, $1 million price point. So if I put $1,000 into Bitcoin, I'm anticipating it's going to go to what? 1,000 times 20, $20,000. If I put $10,000 into Bitcoin, I'm anticipating it's going to go what? To $200,000. And if I put $100,000 into Bitcoin, I'm anticipating or estimating it can go to $2 million. One of the greatest wealth building opportunities of our lifetime, I cannot stress it enough. There is still a 1% chance Bitcoin doesn't make it. And that 1% risk in my opinion, is if the U.S. decides to ban Bitcoin. What's the likelihood of that happening? I think it is very slim. But I don't want to rule it out. The reason I say it's slim is because China banned Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Whenever China bans something, the U.S. likes to take the opposite stand because we are a country of freedom. We don't want to tell our citizens, you can own this and you cannot own that. Right, so that is, well, that's one thing. Another reason why I believe the U.S. will not ban Bitcoin is because, you know, we're starting to see companies list on the U.S. stock markets and they are getting involved in, the, in, in Bitcoin and the Bitcoin network. We're starting to see U.S. companies put Bitcoin on its balance sheet. Today, Bank of America came out with a report that said that by the end of the year, 2021, 27 million Americans will have some Bitcoin. So for a country to know that its citizens and its businesses own this digital asset that is increasing in value and the country can tax it and make money off of it, the last thing they are going to do is want to stop it. Also, if this crypto asset is allowing the U.S. to grow at a much faster GDP in terms of economic growth than China, which the U.S. wants to do, why would you ban it? So once again, 1% chance, I'm not going to say zero, but that's the greatest risk if the U.S. is to ban it. But I want to get you all thoughts. Do you think it's likely that the U.S. will ban it? I don't think they will, but you don't want to say it's, it's impossible. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to ban it. If they can tax it and make money off of it, then the government, if you look at U.S. history, if they could tax anything, then they're, they're not going to ban it. Yeah. As you can see with, like, marijuana now, right? Like, everyone's yeah. changing it. So, it, it, that's true. Yeah, I don't think they're going to ban it, but I do think that they're going to try to figure out a way to overthrow it, in a sense. Because, um, like, what's, what's stopping them from coming out with their own uh, uh, centralized coin? That, that is not a competitor. How do I not? Why? Because the U.S. dollar? Yeah, well, the U.S. dollar doesn't have a capped supply, right? So then the U.S. dollar cannot grow at, you know, 100% per year. Okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. That is, that is why the U.S. dollar or any country's currency cannot be a competitor to Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a fixed supply because it doesn't have a country to run, Right. If a country was to have a fixed supply of its currency, oh my gosh, it would literally need to make sure it doesn't overspend. <laughs> like, it, would, it would be torture for the country. Um, they, they want to have flexibility to be able to control kind of like market movements. We print more money at this time. We reduce money from circulation at this time. We implement these you know, programs. We, we do this. That kind of flexibility you don't necessarily have when you have a fixed supply asset. 
So because of that, that is the, call it, disadvantage for a fiat cryptocurrency. It is going to have an unlimited amount of supply because the U.S. will never cap it. Also, a currency from a U.S. standpoint has to be stable, right? Someone has a dollar. Your dollar today, imagine if your dollar today is worth like $10 in, in next year, then why is it called a dollar? So that's another reason why, you know, it cannot compete from the standpoint of can it outcompete Bitcoin? Definitely not. Unless the U.S. decides to create something just like Bitcoin with a fixed supply and it's using the full-fledged power of the U.S. to back it, Mm. That would be a nice competitor. Only if people, and, and not only people in the U.S., but people across the globe who want to adopt that thing, knowing that if they adopt it, only America benefits because America created it. Once again, decentralized. The only XRP. <laughs> XRP. You, you just described XRP. You just described no, the, the only decentralized I described XRP, but I was saying it's a disadvantage because why would why would the world embrace something which would empower one country? They won't. Do you get it? But I feel but like they're kind of doing that now in a sense, though. Like indirectly. The dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like they're doing that now, though. Like they're already embracing yes, the dollar. Of course, because the dollar is the main global currency. But a lot of are you telling me that countries? all across the world are happy that the dollar is the dominant currency? Oh, no, no, not at all, not at all. I just don't think so America should Trump. give up that that number one spot so easily. So I just think they're going to have something in their bag to kind of curtail Bitcoin's growth. No. They are going to embrace it quietly by allowing companies to go public, adopt Bitcoin. They are going to allow companies to put Bitcoin on their balance sheets. They are going to allow their citizens to own it. Because why would you show your cards to your opponents? You won't. You just relax. Let the money flow through your system. And then you come in last minute. You have a ton of money in your central banks anyways. You come in last minute, come and scoop up you know, as much supply. And all of a sudden, you see that the percentages show that there's, there are more Bitcoins in the U.S. than any other country, and the U.S. has won. Basically, they, they, they control the supply. That's, that's what you're trying to do right now, control the supply so they can do it. I got you. But I'm not saying that's what they are trying to do. I think that's the smartest thing that they can do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then heavily tax it. Exactly. But the thing is, hey, I invested, so using the example, let's say I invested $10,000 and it's grown to 200K. And the U.S. says, I want $60,000 worth of that, which is, let's say, 30%, right? Hey, I mean, at least I have 200K. <laughs> I mean, I used 10K to get 200K. You want uh, 60K just and you're not going to tax it again just that one time, sure, you know. But I don't think they are going to be as aggressive with regards to taxing, um, you know, Bitcoin. Specifically, you know, long-term capital gains, I believe, is about 15%. That's mm -hmm. the rate if you hold yeah. it for greater than a year. Yeah, it's zero fifteen and 20. Exactly. So for high-income individuals, precisely. So in my opinion, I mean, will I be willing to give up 40K, which assuming that's a 20% tax rate, would I be willing to give up 40K knowing that I grew 10K to 200,000? I'm giving up 40K, so I, I get to keep 160 by all means. It wouldn't bother me at all, right? And, and, and Bitcoin doesn't stop its growth at 200K. If the US and other countries, let's say the US stays quiet, it knows, notice that countries, uh, um, you know, its citizens and companies own a ton of Bitcoin, and then it just announces that the central bank has purchased a ton of Bitcoin. That announcement could take Bitcoin's price from $1 million to like $10 million. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because at that point, other countries are going to be rushing to buy it also, but Bitcoin has a fixed supply. And remember, Countries have a ton of money. Literally, the U.S. has an unlimited amount of money. Does that make sense from an economic standpoint? No, it doesn't. 
The, the U.S. has an unlimited amount of money. Like, we create our currency. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is the difference between the dollar and Bitcoin. Bitcoin has 21 million coins, which has to be shared by 4 billion people with smartphones. In the future, it would be 7 billion people with smartphones because Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, are putting, and, and Mark Zuckerberg are putting satellites all across the world. So then any and everyone with a smartphone will be able to have access to the internet. So then 7 billion people in, in 5 to 10 years all have to share 21 million coins. And not only do 7 billion people need to share those, those 21 billion coins, but countries also have to share their 21 billion, 21 million coins with, with individuals as well. So where do you see Bitcoin in Ethereum, like, so how long do you think it'll get take to get to its its zenith, its peak? Like, like what year? 5 years? Like, where do you see it? Yeah, going? um, by twenty twenty five, I believe we should see about a five hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin price, right? So between twenty twenty five to twenty twenty seven, we should see five hundred to like 700,000. And by 2030, we should see at least a million dollars worth of uh, per coin. I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right. And it's not even, it's not even that, like a hope. It, from my standpoint, once again, I've shared the probabilities. I'm not coming here saying it's 100%, but if that 99% kind of like estimates that I have and if the U.S. doesn't ban it, and if the U.S. is doing what I think it's doing, which is it's just being relaxed. Mm -hmm. Like to, today, I read an article where um, I believe they've created a new cyber enforcement agency, and this is literally what they said. They said that we're going after people who are using cryptocurrencies to do illicit activities so that we can protect the, the cryptocurrency network, or essentially the Bitcoin network, for individuals who want to use it for good. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what I read, but that is mind-blowing. Later on top of that, the current administration, they've put out their tax revenue for the next 10 years, and they've projected how much they are going to be making in taxes from taxing Bitcoin and crypto. I mean... So my 99% estimate that they are going to allow this to move in, in, in a positive direction, if they're allowing it to move in a positive direction, Bitcoin's price only moves in one direction. Because as people embrace or adopt the crypto assets, the value has to go up. When you have a fixed number of of, of, of let's say homes or properties and or or tokens and more people want to put money into that thing or more people want to buy it the value has to increase to a certain point where someone who's holding it will want to sell part of it to someone else that's that makes sense so yeah let's have I'm holding it, um, a crypto for ten thousand dollars and it, 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 it skyrockets to a million. Okay, let me just sell, you know, maybe 100K or 200K to, to, to have some additional cash. But then that means someone else now has an opportunity to own the asset. Yeah, and, and a good example, like for, for people who don't understand cryptocurrency right now are interested in it, just look at the housing market, how like homes have increased so significantly because there's not enough homes and, and people are trying to buy homes at this time. All it causes for the home prices to go up. So, um, you know, the cryptocurrency market is just an accelerated version of that, right? And it's just continuing to build. So um, the opportunities there were, were defined by opportunities. So we don't want to miss this one. Definitely not. So speaking of defining, you know, our model is redefining the Black experience. So, you know, this is a subjective question. So we just want to know how you, sir, are redefining your Black experience. Oh, man. Um, I came to realize that I had to change my mindset, right? I had this mindset of... Okay, okay. So that's we're getting close to the end of that podcast. And that's on the podcast that Dr. Hans Boateng was on. And he was giving his expertise regarding cryptocurrency. 
if you need, if you want to, you can listen to the rest of the interview. Probably not much than five minutes left. Uh, how anyone can build wealth with crypto, and that's on his podcast, the Investing Tutor Podcast. So, you, if you want to be educated regarding cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all this other coins that's out there, you can follow Dr. Hans Boateng, the Investor Tutor Podcast, and he will you will find some great value in some of the stuff he put out there. There's a lot to unpack there regarding this this asset class. Uh, he the interesting fact he mentioned was by year I think 2025 he says Bit, Bitcoin could be worth 500,000 and probably by the year 2027 it could be worth a million. That is crazy. So if you don't if you own nothing you don't one Bitcoin, I think right now is going anywhere between fifty six to sixty thousand dollars. But you can own a piece of a Bitcoin, which is called a Satoshi. I may be wrong on that, but I think it's called a Satoshi. Look that up where you can own a piece of that Bitcoin. So one Bitcoin is worth fifty five grand, but you can own a piece like a small piece of Bitcoin because of all the coins that's circulating within the system. So. If you like to learn more information, please follow the Investing Tutor podcast. He mentioned books, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Richest Man in Babylon by Georges Clayson, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, Richest Man in Babylon, George Clayson, Georges Clayson again, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. He mentioned a book called Bitcoin Standard and also One Up Wall Street. Bitcoin, if you want to learn more about it, you can check that book out. The Bitcoin Standard. You want to know about stocks? He mentioned one one up Wall Street, and some of the stuff he mentioned is very easy. Um, you can go and you can go actually invest in Robinhood, Cash App. I have cryptocurrency and Coinbase. I've actually one of the the cryptos that he mentioned, which was Ethereum. I actually own some Ethereum too. So he even mentioned where the Bitcoin. If you want to allocate cap, you want to allocate your Investment, you can allocate 60% Bitcoin, 35% Ethereum, and the other 5% in different type of coins. You want to make sure wherever platform you use that you actually own that Bitcoin, which is called a wallet. Because there's some, I think Robinhood, if you go on there, you don't actually own the Bitcoin. You don't actually own the coin. I think they're working on that to where you can actually own the Bitcoin. It's actually your money to spend. So keep, it, keep that in mind. Uh, he talked about NFT, non-fundable token, where if you create a, if you create something like it's art, music, it's a lot of that going around. You can actually become the owner of that property you create. He talked about student loan debt being the best debt that's out there. So true. So if you have student loan debt, you can actually put that even right now, the current administration, the government, where you're not making any you're not making any student loan payments. I think it's until February 2022. We went almost a year, over a year that we've done, we pay nothing on student loan. Uh, he talked about remove discrimination. You know, you go to a bank sometimes, depending where you go, because of maybe your skin complexion, they can deny you for a loan. They can't do that with Bitcoin. He talked about being different types of platforms. He talked about educating yourself. He talked about when it comes to stocks. Something that you use a lot. If you're on, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, he mentioned that. Invest in that. If you want, let's say you you like cars and you like Tesla, look to invest in Tesla. If you like Spotify, you're always listening. Invest in it. Don't become just a consumer. Become an investor. And then he also talked about, as I already mentioned, the growth of Bitcoin. So I hope this was a value to you. So if you didn't have, I know there's still more of this to learn. I'm actually going to record another episode next week where he he was on another podcast and he talked about Bitcoin. So maybe you may hear some stuff that are similar, maybe hear some stuff that are new. I think it's interesting to start this crypto series. I eventually, my goal is to get Dr. Hans onto this podcast and be able to really share the knowledge. So I know once he does come on here, the people that listen to this podcast, you would already be familiar with him. You already know his story. But just a breakdown, there's some technical stuff that they went on the podcast. I know a lot of people still don't learn. You can take the time and invest. It's just another way of building wealth. Let's not be last. Let's be first. 
See what the million, see what the, the wealthy, the ultra wealthy are doing. Follow that path to building wealth. Okay? Hopefully this was of value to you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. You could be doing anything you want, but the fact that you're listening to this podcast is much appreciated. Until next week, much love.